0: How does a city shape our personal histories? And what makes us belong to a city? As more and more people around the world transition into urban dwellers, we might be tempted to revisit our notions of what it means to be in a city. From Umeya Media, you're listening to Karamasutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. I'm Vinita Bhardwaj. On our second episode, we explore how one's non-conformist geographic choices within a city can completely change their relationship with the city. These are the stories of the outliers. The real voyage of discovery, as Marcel Proust famously said, consists not in seeing new sights, but in looking with new eyes, And of course, with new eyes come new perspectives, where even the old and the familiar can seem new and uncharted. It is estimated that the number of people worldwide living in countries that are not their own is now about 244 million. The United Arab Emirates, whose population is nearing 10 million, is said to be a mix of more than 195 nationalities, with foreigners who dominate the workforce accounting for about 80% of the population. Most of the cities of the Gulf, such as Dubai, were almost non-existent in the city form before the second half of the 20th century. In the region, new cities really started to emerge in the 1960s and 1970s, which in a way coincides with the formation of OPEC and its rise to international prominence and influence.
1: You know, when, when Dubai started forming in the late 70s, early 80s, I think uh, um, it was definitely by um, income group um, or, you know, income class, if you like. This is
0: Mohammed Sormji, an avid chronicler of the region and its communities. He's the director of Gulf Photo Plus, which has helped build a thriving community of image enthusiasts in the region through events, workshops and experiences like the photo walk tours through the Emirates. But today, he is perhaps increasingly known for his photo journals of the region's histories and its people.
1: There were a few areas that were kind of dotted out for people. Um, you know, so if you were an expat who came from Europe or the U.S. or you know Australia or what have you. Um, you would probably uh, go to Jumeirah or, or you know, uh, Satwa or um, what is now Um and you'd be um, you'd have a villa. Um, and you know, there were some who were staying in nice apartments, which at the time were actually in Dara, uh, um, you know, by the Maktoum Bridge in that area uh, that were that were present in the eighties uh, onwards. Um, and then I think for a lot of people who were. Working to kind of um, create the backbone of the economy, accounting jobs, service jobs. I think uh, Karama, Bird Dubai, uh, and Knife uh, were kind of the hubs that people chose. In my research about Karama, I find that um, Karama was a. The Sheikh Amdan colony, for example, was built to house um, the people from Zanzibar. Um, the Arab population that was undergoing um, a conflict with the local Zanzibari population, you know, were, were pretty much stateless and didn't have uh, places to go. And Sheikh Rashid actually commissioned the Sheikh Hamdan colony for them. And um, on the other side of Karama, where the Sheikh Rashid flats were, they were actually called the, uh, they were, you know, they were colloquially referred to as like the 7,500 flats because that's how much the rent was.
0: This is 7,500 dirhams a yes. year. Yes, wow.
1: yeah. Yeah, you, you're not going to find that uh, <laughs> anymore this time. But uh, you know the the. Uh Karama was a place where people came from all over Dubai to get their Indian groceries or, you know, their um, their their uh, spice fix or what have you, and including uh, Emiratis and including expats who wanted to kind of, uh, you know, make uh, desi food or what have you. Um, and then Bur Dubai was, you know, because of the, the, I'm not sure if the temple was there at the time, but a lot of the the Hindu population, I it think, came the, to uh, Bur Dubai. And I think uh, the expat Arabs, um, you know, were more kind of in the, in the more, Murakabad area. And I don't know if that was because of proximity to Sharjah, where there was a large ex- uh, expat Arab population um, with a lot of like restaurants with food from Lebanon and Iraq and Syria and Jordan, what have you, and Syria. And le- Sharjah at the time had a lot of kind of pan-Arab relationships and I think the Arab community really kind of um, was nurtured there. And I think that even now, these things are changing. Like, I think Bur Dubai is very different from what it was 15 years ago. Um, and I feel that a lot of that Bur Dubai population has moved to Barsha and you can see that by the type of restaurants and businesses that are now opening in Barsha and conversely, Bur Dubai has this like almost sad um Emptiness in some areas. lots of shops that were been there for many years have closed. Um, new kind of shops have come. And I think the same thing you can see in Karama, the areas have been gentrified. So you know this this and I think that's a fact of life, right? Like there is this evolution, but um, I think it's also mirroring the kind of um, changes that have taken place in Dubai as a city.
0: It is often remarked by architects in the region. But when the car was introduced, the cities of the region expanded to accommodate the automobile. Whole neighbourhoods came to be designed around the car, rather than around social relationships and the values of the people. Dubai's communities primarily started out around the creek, which divided the city into two parts. Dira in the north, which shares a border with Sharjah, and Berdubai in the south, which led to the roads that took you to the capital city of Abu Dhabi. In recent decades, though, the city has sprawled out in all directions, with newer communities and housing projects enjoying greater brand recall, such as the Dubai Marina, Burj Khalifa, Mall of the Emirates and Jumeirah Lakes Towers, amongst many, many more. For any writer, chronicler or storyteller, the UAE provides a steady stream of stories, tales that are evolving from a vivid past, taking place in a rapidly changing present, and setting the tone for an interesting future. And yet... It is not entirely uncommon to find people leaving the country without truly having explored what lies beyond their temporary spaces.
2: Of all the places I've lived, uh, Dubai has definitely been a special one, for sure. It's the only place where I've lived uh, in which there was really no concept of a minority or a majority.
0: Lola Boatwright is three years old in Dubai. Originally from the United States, she's lived in China, Morocco, the Czech Republic, and following an MBA from Paris, she chose to come and live in Dubai.
2: I find the UAE in general, and Dubai in particular, to be an incredibly interesting social experiment, almost. There are many um, examples of multicultural societies throughout history, but Dubai is very unique in the spectrum of nationalities and cultures that are represented here, of course. So, uh, the first moment that you notice the compartmentalization is, of course, when you're looking for an apartment. <laughs> in my three years in Dubai, I've lived in three different areas started in JBR, then I moved to DIFC, and then I moved to Bur Dubai, uh, which is a, an unusual path.
0: <laughs> Her journey could be considered atypical as she started out in the newer communities. Ultimately finding herself drawn to the more lived in neighborhoods that are endearingly referred to as olderby.
2: JBR is fine, but you know, when every apartment costs a certain amount and when salaries are as stratified as they are and apartment rent you know uh, rental fees are stratified in a congruent way to salaries, then it just means of course you live in a building and a neighborhood where everyone's salary is more or less the same as yours plus or minus 10% maybe 15%. And I think it's not even necessarily a cultural question at that point it's just more of a socioeconomic matter of you know everyone is ordering food from the same places is doing the same activities there's a certain homogenization of life. Right even when you have different cultures represented, and um, just that feeling of being in a development, you know when you're in a neighborhood that was modeled by one firm. You can feel it. And it feels like you're living in a model that was just scaled up. (laughs) And that's why I've never liked Washington, D.C. To me, it feels like an architectural model that was, you know, just expanded. And I thought that's really the only option I had, to be honest with you. At the beginning, I thought, well, what else is there? I mean, I could live in a neighborhood where that was a bit different, but then I would live in a building that was not the quality of life that I want. So there doesn't seem to be any kind of mixed neighborhood. Let me just make the easy decision and, you know, pick pick the category that I fit in, essentially, uh, when choosing an apartment. Um, But it wasn't long before I regretted my decision. (laughs) It definitely wasn't long at all. The older or
0: lived-in parts of the city are known to have grown in response to the influx of the communities that have defined their identity ever since the emirate became an important trading post connecting the four hemispheres. Although Dubai has grown massively in the last two decades and spread out geographically, the more lived-in communities, carrying a history of four decades or so, have largely retained their cultural backbone. There hasn't been a dramatic alteration to the makeup of the primary or majority constituents of these neighborhoods. And I asked you why that was the case.
1: I don't know. I, I mean, I could posit a few theories. I think one is um, affordability. So, you know, even if you were living in an area that is a newer area or less lived in, if, if you like... Um, you know, you may uh, be able to kind of get rent or stay in a sharing uh, arrangement that would work for you, but you don't have the groceries or the restaurants or, um, you know, the ecosystem around you to kind of, um, you know, placate your daily needs, your daily cultural needs, if you like. Um, so that's one, and I think those centers have stayed in those in those places um, owing to familiarity, uh, experience, et cetera. Also, a proximity to... Um, uh, public transport hubs, for example, that like radius of like five kilometers between Burjuman and Union Station, which, you know, before the metro changed its timings would take about 23 seconds uh, under the bridge to go there. And I think that really is the center and it re- historically is the center of uh, Dubai. And I feel um, for a lot of people who kind of come here first, um, you know, get get drawn in. Um, and if you look, uh, you know, Burj Dubai in its, you know, even though it's quite small, has areas that are for maybe more upwardly mobile people and for perhaps people with lower incomes. And you have these segmentations within a small area like Dubai. But I think what's common between them is everybody uh, in those areas wants to be able to get their, you know, um, spice mill uh, or their tailors or their butchers and things like that, these facilities that you wouldn't get in other places because this just has traditionally been the hub. And I think, you know, what you said is, is largely true I think what has changed, though, is that these places are a lot more diverse than they used to be before. They were very ethnically concentrated. Um, So uh, Karama, for example, was very South Asian. And I think now you have a lot of people from the Philippines and you have people from Africa of late. And that's something that I've noticed a lot. Um, I grew up in Karama and I live in Dubai, and I still go to Karama quite often. And I see a lot more uh, Africans uh, compared to when I grew up there.
0: If we put rent and commute, and we just park those aside Mm -hmm. because there's obviously major considerations. What is it that drives people to decide where they live here? Mm -hmm. Considering we're not really in a country that is bound by parameters such as having to live in a school district. Sure. What drives people to decide that this is where they're going to live and allow that district or that neighborhood to define their relationship with the city?
1: I think it's the the vibrancy and the kind of hustle-bustle that are you know, evidently missing in other areas that are really detached and a bit quiet. And I feel, you know, you can go to um, Bur Dubai or Karama at like one in the morning and it's still quite active and, you know, noisy. And I think I think for some people, uh, like I personally, I don't know if I would ever live in somewhere that is like one of these communities and I need that um, hustle bustle. I need to be able to kind of go for a walk and, you know, uh, um, have loads of people around. I don't know. I, I, I think I think uh, there's that. And I don't know how to articulate in terms of people don't go seeking that, you know, no, no, no real estate um, developer or uh, company is going to advertise, oh, it's really noisy and busy. But, I, <laughs> you know, I, I think that that's quite a, a virtue and an attribute because it makes you feel, I don't know, connected to your city. It makes you feel alive. And I, and I often um, park my car at home and take the metro to go to work. Because I feel even in that short uh, walk to the Bergemont station and then uh, and back, I feel this connection or I feel like I'm part of something as opposed to kind of going from one parking lot to another. And, and it's hard to articulate what that means tangibly, but I think there's something to it. I think there's this like being at one with your city or being grounded in your environment, which, you know, I don't know how you articulate. I think the other thing is the availability of... Um, uh, food, I think food's a big part of it.
2: I, I didn't actually consider moving to Bur Dubai until uh, one night I was having uh, I was having dinner at Ustadi, which uh, should I talk about Ustadi because whatever makes you smile like I that, <laughs> I love Ustadi. Ustadi is where I learned to eat rice with my hands, <laughs> and for this reason, I'm extremely fond of it. Is your photograph up on their wall? I don't think so, no. Not yet? I should, I definitely should. A a lot of, I know a lot of people on the wall, let's say. um, And I'm starting to get to the point now where the waiters, you know, know who I am. And if I don't order the soup, they're like, what, no shorba? Why don't you want the soup (laughs) this time? And, you know, but Ustadi is one of these restaurants where you really feel the history of Dubai. And you feel the diversity of Dubai in particular, you know, you see the, the clocks, the nostalgia. You know, you have these long tables where you might be sitting wedged between, you know... Uh, let's see, I think one time I was, I was by myself, and to my right were, I think, a, a first date between a Lebanese guy and a Czech woman, which was funny, because I spoke both their languages, but I wasn't going to say anything. And an Emirati family on my right, and just, you know, sitting there kind of loosely eavesdropping, and um, it's, it's always a good place to people watch.
0: Unlike other cities, the region's urban centres are unique in that they can at times feel ephemeral in nature. People come, people go, but the city lives on. What impact does this have on the neighbourhoods, if anything at all?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I think... Uh I mean, I, I, for me, it's a very different position because I've always been here. And yes, people in my life have gone and have come in and have gone. But I, I feel that most of these places still kind of, you know, hold their their inherent value, which is what brings people there in the first place. Like Karama is still Karama. It's got that flavor. It might not be the same as it used to be, but it's still... You know, that same uh, hustle bustle place of people. And I think I, fee- I see that these little public spaces that are, you know, not meant to be public spaces just kind of start forming. You know, uh, what was there 25 years ago is now there but in a different format or it's just moved slightly away or now people are sitting on, on, their, on their phones uh, versus people before kind of just kind of milling about near a chai stall kind of thing. So I think you have some erosion because of the people leaving, but largely those, you know, the, the, the core of it is still there. I think they just serve different people over time. And I see, I see a lot of people who I know who've lived here for a long time have, decided, have, have continued to stay in those places, even though they have the means to move to places that are bigger and fancier and better because they, you know, and I think if you ask my mom, she would never want to move to, like, uh, uh, one of the newer areas because she's comfortable. Uh, she not, not, not only comfortable with, like, the ecosystem of having the, the Adil guy deliver the spices that she wants or what have you, but but also it's a place that she's um, happy because she has neighbors or she has people that she, she knows it. You know, this is the experience of Dubai to her. And in some ways, I'm like that, too.
0: 2011 was a historic year for cricket in India. The cricket-obsessed country hosted and went on to win the World Cup after an agonisingly long wait of 28 years. The celebrations in India were expected. But overseas, in a small part of Dubai, the win left some very big impressions. More on that after the break.
3: Support for this episode comes from Frying Pan Adventures. As you imagine the hustle and bustle along the streets of Old Dubai while listening to this episode of Karamasutra, there is really no better way to explore the city's unique blend of culture and cuisine than a tour with Frying Pan Adventures. Here's Arva Ahmed, their chief executive muncher. For me, Old
2: Dubai is like this big old scratched up pot of foods, of, of restaurants, of cultures that are being preserved by the migrants who, who moved here and made it their home. So my sister Farida and I started these food tours, these three to four hour moving feasts through parts of town that, that hold nostalgia for us. Everything from our Middle Eastern food pilgrimage to biryani taste battles, to meals where you ditch the cutlery, just roll up your sleeves and go all in. We're committed to all of those delicious experiences that we have just here in our backyard in Dubai.
3: And I can tell you from experience, it is a great way to learn more about the cultures behind the recipes, to explore the city, and meet new people over a shared love for food.
2: Make sure you visit our website at fryingpanadventures.com and you can also follow us on Instagram or Facebook at fryingpanadventures and on Twitter at fryingpan_tours.
3: Listeners of the show can use the code KARAMASUTRA that's K A R A M A S U T R A at checkout to get a sweet 10% off on one of their tours. You can visit fryingpanadventures.com to learn more. Our thanks to the Frying Pan sisters for their support of this show and MIO media.
0: Welcome back. I'm Vinita Pardwaj and you're listening to Karamasutra, chronicles from communities we've grown up with. We're continuing with the stories of the outliers. Elizabeth Renton first arrived in Dubai from New Zealand in 2005. She spent a year in the city where she lived at the time in a still up-and-coming part of town that was expanding north of the airport. She returned to New Zealand within a year, but was back in Dubai in March 2008 and ended up staying until August 2019. Elizabeth's first home in Dubai, about a 10-minute walk from the creek, was chosen with specific consideration to proximity to her workplace. However, even after her employer relocated close to the Dubai Marina, 30 kilometres away from her home, she preferred to stay on in her neighbourhood of choice.
4: I just loved the vibrancy, the colour, just the family thing, even though I stood out like a sore thumb, (laughs) you know, being sort of white and middle-aged and single. Um, so it was quite different, but when I moved into the apartment, you know neighbors on both sides invited me in, and you know we had sweets, which I have to say I wasn't that keen on um but sweets and and it was very, very nice and While we never made best friends, we always spoke if we were in the corridor together. um, I watched the neighbours particularly right next to me, the children grow up from these little boys to, you know, young young teenagers.
0: Getting to Dubai from her hometown in New Zealand, which has a population of 120,000, is a 22-hour trip door-to-door. And although she came from a long way away, she was determined to immerse herself in an experience that was unlike any she had known.
4: Otherwise, you might as well stay at home. That's what I thought that because you know, like most people, I was coming for a couple of years um, and you know eleven and a half years later, but i still I thought that I needed to get right into it because I wasn't going to be there for that long um and Experience something different because that's what I wanted was a new experience. I come from down south in New Zealand, which is very, um, you know, I mean, there is a lot more multicultural things going on now, but it's you know, in the circles I moved in, it was very white and middle class sort of, you know, um, and I need, I really wanted to experience something different. And Dubai gives you every single thing that you choose to experience, I think.
0: The people she would come into contact with were always intrigued by her choice of residence. But it was a questioning of her choice that Elizabeth found
4: intriguing. Some people have never even been to Dubai, which really I can't quite come to grips with. You know, don't you even want to go to the museum? Don't you want to go to the souk? Don't you want to go on the Anabra? You know, to me, that is Dubai, um, I, I just don't understand why people wouldn't do that, but then I suppose you, everyone gets caught up in their own community, in their own area, um, and so a lot of people didn't even know what I was talking about when I'd say, I'd live, uh, I'd, I'd say, do you know the Bergman? Mm, no. You know, on the way to the airport, sort of, go straight instead around the corner. <laughs> you know, it was quite surprising. How many people didn't know? But then, you know, it, there, was, and there was a curiosity. Why? Because yeah. I like it. I know I'm not living in New Zealand.
5: Who are the people in your neighbourhood? In your neighbourhood, in your neighbourhood, say... Are the people in your
1: neighborhood? And I think it's down to your makeup. If you're the kind of person who's saying, I'm going to a place where one of its most precious value or you know characteristics is the diversity of the people that inhabit the city, I want to be able to make the most of that and meet people who are not like me because that's why I'm leaving home or that's one of the benefits I want to attain. And conversely I think you know, when people came down in the 70s, 80s, 90s, and because they were away from home and they were away from people, they, they you know, they wanted to be around people that were like them. And, you know, I remember when I used to photograph the labor camps way back, and I would see these signs that say, you know, um, uh, room for just care or room for people from Tamil. I'm like, you know... I, that that's that's terrible that people don't want to like mix. And then I'm thinking, no, hang on a second. You know, when you are working really hard and you, um you know, all you want is familiarity. You want to be able to speak the same language. You don't want to have to m- make those inroads when everything else around you is so tough. And I think there's a bit of that aspect. So people would go to Karama or, you know, because they want to around people that are similar, right? And that's why I think your your podcast here is really interesting about those people who are against the, who go against the grain and who want to kind of be in a place where is, it's, it's filled with people who are very different from them. And, you know, there's that, you know, discovery, but also this kind of being outside your comfort zone to kind of learn more about other people. And, and that's exciting. And I think if there was more of that, that would be great, wouldn't it?
0: Why do you think there isn't more of that? You do these photo walk tours. Yeah. So I'm sure the reaction is, a one of amazement to discover these parts of Dubai. But why do you think the people who enjoy a walk Mm. don't want to live there?
1: I think for a lot of people, think about it, when they come to Dubai, they... um they go to these groups on Facebook and like you know tell us about the buy, or they come and they uh, have a recce trip with their company and and you know there are these um, placeholders. A lot of people I think are poorly informed or misinformed. A lot of people that we meet, especially women, saying I feel I'm am scared to go to their, uh because a lot of single men and I don't know if it's safe. And they find after that experience that they come out. Wow, this is fine perfectly fine and you know we can come out with a bunch of girlfriends or even on our own uh, uh, and I think so there's this uh, uh, lack of adventure and I think I'm always uh, giving a heart to my friends who don't kind of venture outside their uh, areas you know like somebody lives in downtown I know lots of people who have never been to Karama or there or if they've been to Karama it's to get their you know their cheaper uh, handbags. Uh, I'm going to
0: interject because I, equ- I equally have met possibly the same number of people who live in Burd by who are petrified of driving up to <laughs> all of the Emirates and beyond <laughs> and and find that entire stretch very daunting right. and um frightening and um almost um a, a whole other world that they are not familiar with
1: yeah true but i i think also it's the um a lot of people you know, like we were talking about, a lot of uh, people who live in Dubai. If you don't have a place which will give you your peanuts for a durum and your chai for you know another derm, it it doesn't feel like it's somewhere I belong. And so I think, you know, uh, uh, for a lot of people who don't go to those areas, it's a it's a question of means as well. So there's there's that.
0: It's a universally acknowledged truth that communities can't be cultivated or curated. There are several external forces that go into the making of a community from its original purpose towards evolution, which is often driven by socioeconomic crosswinds and migration.
4: Now, a lot of people have been here for a very long time. And it literally is home. It's not somewhere that is... I mean, I've never seen it as... I mean, I've seen it as home for the moment, but never seen it as home forever. And I never really wanted to stay here forever. Um, You know, um, but I I do think that it is possible... And I think it's about family, really. You know, the family just sort of, and other families. I always knew there was someone there if I needed, you know, needed to. Um, You know, um, and just Diwali was the best, best time ever. And I was there when um, India won the World Cup cricket. And it it was just incredible. I've never, ever experienced anything like it. I felt like a, a sort of a, a you know, um, a, an Indian. <laughs> finishes off in style. I mean, I'd watched it on television as well, but I was it was much more fun watching the people outside and listening in the corridor to everybody else. You know, it was
6: just incredible.
1: Strike into the crowd. India left the World Cup. After 28 years, the
6: when they won the Cricket World Cup, this place was insane. And we were just, actually, because it was it reminded us when we won the Football World Cup back home.
0: That's Maurizio Madruga. He and his wife, Fabiana Miguel, are both from Brazil and have lived in Dubai since 2006.
6: Just everybody with fireworks and flags and, like, the cars. It was such a, a nice mess around. And so that's, that's a real place. It's like, it's normal. And just on the wind, and then we came down to celebrate with the security guard and everything. It took some time for us to realise that was the final for the, for the cricket. But then we just started celebrating with them because it was, reminded us back home how it was with the football. So it's it's a nice place.
0: Fabiano and Maurizio live in Manchul, not far from Elizabeth's place. But what makes them stand out even more as outliers is the fact that they're bringing up their six-year-old daughter in a pretty monocultured community, where they are a very conspicuous minority, as we walked through their building to reach their flat, almost all the apartments on their floor had Indian decorations. We didn't even really need their apartment number; it stood out through its
5: absence of Indianness. But I think it's not like what I mentioned. It's not only multicultural, but it's about
6: it's it's a normal place. People they walk around, and people they. You see cars. You see busy times, like uh, in the morning traffic and the traffic in the evening. And only on, during the weekend you see people cycling around. You see people playing cricket on the sand. They play volleyball on the sand. And there's no pretty much rules. What like what's happening? It's just a normal, normal life, normal city. Even though it's just pretty much ninety percent one culture. But for her, she can see everything. Um, we just walk around to supermarket, to the park, or to the mall, or. It's, It's a normal lifestyle.
5: Yeah, it's true. Even the restaurants, remember when you go and there is one in Karama and the waiters, everyone, they know us. When you arrive they like shake hands. Because it's the same. They know and the second time you went there they already knew us. And it's the same. It's been three years and we become like friends. (laughs) Like even least. And it's like very personal because I remember going for for work last year. And one girl, she was complaining about Diwali because of the fireworks. Like, oh, I could not sleep. And all these fireworks, they should stop. I'm like, no, it's part of the culture. What you're saying? No, how about New Year's Eve? How about World Cup? How about this? Like, no. So don't complain. If you want, you move. But that's the culture. So it's like, it's beautiful. It's nice before celebrating. So it's very rude to complain. So don't do it. And she's like, okay, you're right.
0: The annual Deepavali celebration in the district stands out as a favourite in their calendar. Traditionally, it's marked with firecrackers in India. But due to regulations in Dubai and the UAE, the many buildings in Bur Dubai, Karama and Manchul have responded imaginatively with their occupants hanging elaborate arrangements of lights across their balconies and windows. The couple originally started out in the same neighbourhood before they moved out to one of the newer residential developments. But the birth of their daughter made them revisit their decision.
6: There was an area with grass downstairs with the play area, and we were taking her on a Friday or a Saturday. And two of us, we were the only parents that were actually taking the kids on a weekend to play. Everybody else was the nannies. They were taking the kids, and it was a Friday, like a Friday morning. We were thinking, we don't want her to grow up with this idea that... Uh, Someone that works for the family is in charge of playing with the kids on a weekend.
5: With all the respect for our helper, but the thing is she needs to know that she's here to help. She's not here to take our responsibility and to think that it's normal to see me having a coffee while the nanny is the one playing with her. And this thing we have, like I said, Port Dubai is very family oriented. So here we see parents with the kids and all that. So, And he used to say I don't want her growing up like this, so we have to come back to Port Dubai. <laughs> I'm guessing neither one of you has understood cricket so
0: far.
6: We have something. You do, I don't know. Not seeming <laughs> that we, we can play something similar back home, but just as a. As a in the childhood. But nothing. no rules, no.
0: Living here, you haven't managed to understand the rules. No, you haven't no, managed to. No, <laughs> no. The fact is that outliers are everywhere. But our interactions with the city and the imprints from our experiences mostly depend on our willingness to seek. The pursuit of the unknown does not necessarily have to dilute our identity. Quite the contrary, it enriches it.
1: The only thing is you actually have to like go out of your way to look for it, or it's not, it's not so um, apparent. And, and I think in a lot of my work, that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm trying to, like you know counter this notion that dubai is a plastic and artificial city and it is if you if that's what you see it only as but if you peel through it there are layers and there are these personal histories and um you know lives that people have lived here i've been here over 40 years there are many many people like me who have made this place their home and i'm interested in the things that they do to you know despite knowing that they don't have a future for them you know still cultivate a home for themselves and their families and their, you know, neighbors and community around them.
0: This episode of Karama Sutra was hosted by me, Vinita Bhardwaj, and produced by me and Shirag Desai, who also edits the show. Our intern is Abhishek Venkata Subramanian. Special thanks to Lola Boatwright, Elizabeth Renton, Fabiana Miguel and Maurizio Madruga for sharing their stories. We also want to say thank you to everyone for listening to our premiere episode and sending us your reactions to the episode and the delicious photographs from Woodlands. Do keep your thoughts and ideas coming in. You can also reach us via email, ks at ameya.fm, that's ks at a dot f-m, or on Instagram at karama.sutra. You can listen to our show for free on Apple or Google Podcasts, Angami, and on Spotify as well, and our website is karamasutra.com. We'll be back with a new episode on the 8th of December.
3: Hi there, this is Shirab from Amaya Media, and we're giving away a pair of Apple's new AirPods Pro. All you have to do is take a short survey for us. We're looking to improve our shows and better understand what you, our listeners, like or perhaps don't like when it comes to podcasts. You can find a link to the survey in the show notes or visit our website, amaya.media, for more information. It won't take more than two minutes of your time, and we'd really appreciate it.